Mate, if you're the best in the team, right, you're not really challenging yourself. So if you walk into a room and you're the smartest guy, then it's not really your room, is it? And it's the same as sport. Every time, or my experience in sport, every time I went to the next level, next level, next level, the moment you become the best player on that team, you, you're going to move to a new team and you, you're at the bottom. Yeah. But sport's totally different to, to family teams and business teams, to be honest, as well. But each team is going to be its own dynamic. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. We're coming to the end of our season. We've got a good one for you today. We've got Dean Treister, professional rugby player, rookie of the year, forward of the year in the team's Hall of Fame. And what does he do now? Business. He's going to talk about how he found a new career. And we're going to get deep into his story. It's a story of optimism. Going to talk about that success and ability to close a chapter and move on and his take on um, how important that is in the world and then turning everything you do into a team. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Trista. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you out of the bush, away from wrestling crocodiles, getting stung by stingrays. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. What a great introduction. Welcome, Trista. Yeah, mate. This is an exciting episode, Trista, because this could be the last episode of the fourth season before we take six months off. So you could earn the spot. Love it, mate. As the last episode that we put out there before our six-month vacation. So when people look, it'll be Trista, if this is a good show and if you are funny. So we're going to get started with the typical first question we always ask. Trista, how do you keep the shrimp, shrimp on the Barbie? Right. How do you keep them from falling through? Shrimp actually just keep the Barbie level. That's easy. Shrimp won't jump off. They're just keeping it up. <laughs> All right. We'll see if you're ready for the other ones I've got ready to zing at you. Pricer, what is your definition of excellence? Definition of excellence. It's really um, putting your best effort in. The excellence is is really you set the, the bar for excellence for yourself. And if you can say that you've uh, put 100% effort into it, then um, the outcome is excellence. Okay, so you got an interesting life there, Dean Treister. We're going to talk about um, going through pro athletics for a long time. Uh, I think the average football player in the U.S. is in pro athletics for 3.6 years. Dean made it 10 years, rookie of the year, forward of the year, member of the Hall of Fame for the Sharks, the team he played on. So your bar that you set your, for yourself when you were young is pretty high. Then you got, got a little bit of a lucky sperm situation going on, gets into the family business. 
but you were prepared to get into the family business and then you just crushed it coming to the US. And um, now you've got this big business that you're managing, which again is a really high bar. So your definition of excellence is the best effort for the bar you set for yourself. So when someone has maybe a low bar or uh, I, I'm not talking about different aspirations. You know, I think being a teacher is the greatest job you could ever have. I want to be a teacher when I retire. I don't consider that a low bar, but you know, is that okay? In your definition of excellence, you can be excellent to that level that you set for yourself. Yeah, I, I think it all, it all ties together that you've got to be passionate about what you do, mate. Um, excellence and, and to be passionate about what you do, that'll make you want to be the best. And if you don't have passion for it, if you don't have that desire and it's not built in, like if you can't get up, you're not going to love it every day. But if you can't be inspired by what you're doing, there's no chance of becoming, you know, the best and, and having excellence if that's the definition of it. So the passion is driving the bar higher. Absolutely. And if you don't have it, then uh, you'll never really achieve it. If you're doing it for, for money, if you're doing it for uh, notoriety or, or it's got to be at the core passion for it. And you've got to find your passion. That's the important thing. That's the only way to get to excellence. And so you're also bringing in the why, why are you going there? So why be, why say, I mean, I get the passion, you're playing a sport. And for those of you that don't know what rugby is, rugby's kind of like football, but a little bit more boring and they don't wear pads, <laughs> which is crazy. They must not tackle each other as hard. Dean is not the strongest guy in the world. So maybe it's a bunch of smaller people on the field. I don't know. But so you got the passion for this game and, did you grow up playing rugby as a kid? Where I mean, you don't become a pro athlete unless something happens when you're young, right? What happened to make you want to be a pro athlete? Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, mate. I could never sit still. I did many different sports, and my parents really just to keep me out of trouble always had me in in some level of sports. I went from trampolining, I did Aussie rules, uh, I did running, all these different sports. Really, uh, just to because I had a lot of energy when I was young. And uh, rugby wasn't a big part of my family's life um, until I I didn't start playing until I was 12 years old. And it was because we moved to a new town and I had no friends. And surprisingly, I'm waiting for a comment, but I had no friends there, but every, all the boys were playing rugby. So I went, okay, so I want to meet people. And we started playing rugby and then they invited me to like the uh, the club team, and to be honest with you, I was I was really not a natural, really not a natural at rugby, and I didn't kick in until um, it started to show talent in it um, until I was about fourteen or, or fifteen, and then it really kicked off, and and there was turning points um, within that where I played second division, like B grade in club for all of my you know, from 12 until I was 14. And then one coach really made the difference in me and found that spark um, to give me the belief that I could actually do something and, and help a team. And it started with a teammate and that really putting that, um, that whole thing together around you do something for yourself or you do something for a bigger good. And, uh, and that team really became the definition of, for me, what I was striving to do is to be part of a team and improve a team. And that really changed me, mate. So I'm just going to back up. And yeah, I did catch that. Um, it doesn't surprise me 
that there was a long period of your life that you didn't have friends and we haven't even gotten to the awards yet. Um, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me, but, uh, uh, so you, you came, there's a little serendipitous win because our audience is in their twenties. Um, they may not be thinking about having kids yet, but here's the key. And, and Dean and I are both family people. We've, we've been with our kids to Africa. Our kids are friends. We love each other's kids. Um, here's the key to raising kids. If you're going to have kids later in life, first of all, you got to marry someone that knows what they're doing. So that's what Dean and I did. We married these wonderful mothers that are nurturing and aren't entrepreneurial assholes and they know what they're doing and they can whack us upside the head. And then the second one is follow Dean's parents' lesson. If you happen to have a boy, run him like a dog. Just put him out there, run him, run him, run him. So it's not that Dean was hyperactive or Dean was a crazy kid. Um, it's that all boys need to be put outside and run or else they're going to drive you crazy all night long. So they were figuring out different ways. And, you know, Jake did gymnastics. I, I forgot that you'd done that. Not gymnastics, trampoline. Forgot that you'd done that. And I remember he just had these abs and he was so fit from just jumping on that thing over and over. And all of a sudden you found this ball sport that you're good at. And were you in high school? Were you mostly focused on um, rugby or were you getting good grades? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, rugby became the big part of my life and schooling took a, a, a second seat to it, a back seat to it. I did really enjoy business. I had one I had one class that I enjoyed and that was uh, business studies and the rest really went by the wayside. So I never had that, um, that family driving me to do both and that's something that that um, looking back, I would have loved to have been able to to do better at school and, and have that other education. But at the same time, mate, it was what it was at the time. There wasn't nearly as much sort of emphasis on the schooling. Okay. Um, but uh, were your eyes open to post sports? And even though you had this incredible career that, I mean, I, I appreciate that you moved to New Mexico to escape from whatever fame you had. This this <laughs> career that I don't know anybody's ever heard of, but uh, you had this huge career for 10 years. And how long do people last in rugby typically? Yeah, it's a long career. Usually, uh, I think it's similar to, to football over here, mate. They uh, two to three years is is a fairly standard career. And they're getting injured, or they're just just the young kids are coming in and kicking their butts. Yeah, just turnover and and injuries is a big part of it. But definitely, I was super lucky, as in I worked my ass off, and I was right spot at the right time. But it definitely um, came down to the hard work. So the team that I came into for that 10-year period, 90% of uh, that, that time, it was one team. I had these guys that I grew up with, and we had a unique team that a lot of them were locals in my area. And we all came through at the one time, and, and we had a lot of success. We never won a championship, but we did make it to a Super Bowl uh, a couple of Super Bowls and and lost. And that's life, right? That's that's life. How many Super Bowls have you been to and lost in your second career of business? So many, right? <laughs> oh, mate, resilience is a huge thing that I've taken. Resilience and perseverance is, is what I've taken from sport into into business, mate. And in life, that, that's everything. You're gonna get you're gonna get your ass kicked. You work your ass off, and then you get your ass kicked, and you got to get up the next day knowing there's another game and there's more. There's more coming down the road, so yeah, you don't you don't win them all, and not everyone has the fairy tale ending. My ending in at the Sharks was was brutal, mate. 
And I haven't really shared that with, with many people over here in the US, but I was at that club at the Canola Sharks for, you know, 10 years. And we got, we had a new coach come in and that new coach and I really didn't get on. And I went from one day being like a longstanding veteran there to the next day, truly the next week, I was uh, kicked out of the club and over in England playing. And it was a really stressful time for, for myself, my wife. I'd just been married for like a year, a year or two. I just had a young kid. And that was an extremely stressful time. But looking back, it was exactly what I needed to happen. And that is something that no doubt throughout my entire life, business, personal, growing up, it, things happen for a reason, good or bad. You don't know why at the time. But you look back at it and you go, that's exactly what needed to happen, including the the departure from the Sharks, which was brutal, mate. Absolutely brutal. Okay. So was Lockie born in England? No, Locke was born in Australia, but he was only eight months old when we moved to England and played um, played my season over there. And where did you play? In a place called Hull FC up in Hull. It's about four hours uh, north of London. No, longer. Six hours north of London. Cold, cold, and it's an it's it is a old shipping, old fishing village. One of the greatest people, hardworking. They've lost the industry up there of fishing. It's changed and all that. But we had a great time up there, mate. Really, one of the best uh, experiences. And again, getting away from all of the drama that the, that happened at the Sharks at the end to go to the other side of the world into an environment where the fans just absolutely loved you. The first game I played over there, the fans already had a song. They were singing it, and I came out. It was it was really very, very cool. Oh, oh no. what's the song? What's the song? I can't remember. They they all make Dean, up songs. Dean, you suck. Dean, you <laughs> suck. Okay, so so now, now we have the second half of our discussion all laid out. We got to talk about mentorship. We got to talk about the, the sports takeaways working perseverance, uh, the team stuff. We got to talk about keeping your eyes open. We're going to get into your optimism and that entrepreneurial optimism you had. And I just got to stop for a second and say, what is it about Aussie? So your demeanor is not typical right now. And if you're listening right now, Dean and I go way back. Dean, oh, you are the guy that flipped out of the helicopter in Panama because I've had other people that were on that trip and we've met you. We went down to Panama, took the doors off the helicopter. Somebody f- did a backflip into the Panama Canal where we had boats with surfboards towing behind to pick us up. Dean is the guy that flipped off the back. We've been all over South America, Central America, Spain. Like I said, took our kids around because we belong to this crazy business cult. But I, this demeanor that Dean is showing is not his demeanor. Um, he still is that person that's running around that uh, he must have been sent out to play today because he's way more mellow. But I got to ask, what is it about Aussie accents that everybody likes? And I called Dean the other day because I got one of my many speeding tickets and I go in and there's a, hey, mate. And there's uh, <laughs> Sheriff Deputy Baker, all super cool and nice ready to hit me with a $500 fine because he showed up and he pulled my record too. So he knew that my system is postpone, 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 set the court date, postpone, 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 always at the last minute, show up, the cop's not there, you're let off. But no, Sheriff Baker was on to me and I still love the guy. And shout out to Joe Bacara and Sheriff Baker here in Orange County looking out for us. How do I like a guy that 
you know, it's probably out to get me. The police just need to give up on my, I've been to race car driving school with you in, in two different continents. I mean, we're good driving. You're not as good as me and you still owe me a hundred bucks, dude. You still haven't paid me the hundred bucks for losing at thermal. You only want to get the hundred dollars because you gave, 150 to the <laughs> no, guy to make no, no, sure no. that you got a medal made. And yeah, we know yeah, yeah. that that is true. Anyway, That's anyway, uh, shout out to Sheriff Baker, but please, please, please let it go. Uh, Dean and I are pretty good drivers. Me, a little bit better than Nate. What is it about you Aussies <laughs> and your accents that people like so much? I don't know, mate. It, it's, it, honestly, it's because we're, it's different to what you're, not, what you're used to. Americans go across to Australia and everyone loves your accent. It's like the French. No one really likes the French personality, but they love the accent, and it's because it's different, mate. That's what I what I see anyway. And and honestly, we're, we're nice people. What can you say? Uh, also, Dean, the, the other award that we didn't mention, two years voted the most annoying person in rugby on the whole continent and all of professional rugby. Yeah, that was voted. Just, just, just to be just to be clear, that was voted by the other players in the in the in the league right so if i'm annoying to them that means that i'm doing my job because i'm beating them and and so i'm actually kind of proud well, of well dean it. i'm just gonna say it's no longer your job as, it's almost like mvp <laughs> as, as a buddy of yours it's no longer part of your job okay so let's get back to business here so you're in pro sports you're crushing it um, you, you're dealing with all this life stuff early. It's like, that's kind of what this show's for. You need to learn stress management. You need to learn work ethic. You need to learn perseverance. You need to learn EQ. You need to learn how to sell yourself. All this stuff you're getting at like, you know, a 10 X level, um, drive work ethic. You're learning all this stuff. You do the, uh, uh, go to another continent and play the sport over their game. And then all of a sudden you're deciding, okay, I want to one day be, you know, this super successful um, entrepreneur. I want to one day live down in Laguna Beach and check out the water and have this giant pool in my backyard. I know exactly what I'm going to do right now. Is that how it happened? No, mate. I always had. I'll be again. I I've never ever um, not believed, and that this is one of the strengths my parents gave me is I've never believed I can't do something, and that's. And and so the first time I ever came to America, I was 15 years old, and we walked into our competitor. We ended up actually acquiring this company, but the, one of the largest sample makers in um, in the US. We walked in first time I'd ever seen a facility, a, a manufacturing facility with you know more than 200 people. This this facility had hundreds and hundreds of people. And I made a decision at that point that I was going to have something like that. And so right from there, I know I even remember it. I remember saying it to myself and I went, all right, I'm going to do it. And I never once were, was told by my parents or by anyone that I couldn't do anything. And even though, you know, the, the likelihood, sometimes you shoot at these things. Did I, did I, did I set goals that I didn't achieve? Yeah, of course. But I'm telling you now. I set massively high goals that even not not hitting them, it was very, very successful. So, yeah. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. 
In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So we're going to back up a little bit, though. So we skipped a couple of years. And by the way, Sean Baldwin um, just texted me. He said, listening to you talk is making him want to kill a kangaroo. That's just a text I just got. <laughs> um, shout out to Sean. OK, so 2004, you retire from rugby, which is a long time. And I'm surprised you. I mean, I have way more injuries than you. I'm surprised you weren't beat up a little bit more than you are. Uh, you 2006, your family builds this factory in China and you move to the U S and that story happens that is going on right there. But in that 2004 zone, 2002, 2005 zone, your family's got a business. Not everybody's got a family business, but what's the process of I'm going to go kick butt there now. I mean, how did you, you could have gone into real estate. You could have gone into starting a whole different company. How did you, was it just a switch I'm going or was there a long process, a scary period? And I'm just thinking about our listeners right now. Maybe they're in college sports and it's fading out. Maybe they're in pro sports and it's fading out. Maybe they're going through this process. You see it with people that sell their businesses. Um, they go through this process of kind of reinvention. What was your process for reinvention? And think about your, your wonderful, angelic three children listening to this podcast, taking notes like all children should. They're going to go through this reinvention period. What did you do? What was your process? How did it happen? Because you had to make a choice. Oh, great. I've not really thought about this. Good question, mate. So the stress of, of moving on, whether it be relationships, careers, or whatever, I think one of my strengths is that I can just turn it off, my old, and just walk away and not think about it. So when I look at my friends in rugby that – tried to hang on they, they they extended their careers and and it's similar to relationships or even in business you try to hang on and hang on and and it really makes you suffer for your next where you're going to go so for me when i went from rugby and i had the opportunity to keep playing rugby but it, it was i i really didn't feel that passion for it and then i just put a line in the sand and went that's it i'm moving on and when i did that I then threw everything into business. And I, I looked at, you know, real estate, like it's funny you said that, real estate. I actually also looked at being a politician. They tried to get me into being um, the local representative because I had a presence. And it's really important when you're going to make a change like that, mate, that you, that, you, that you do it again with a focus around what, what gets you inspired. It may change again, but... When you get the opportunity to start again and and move on to a different career, you pick something that you're really going to get get after and, and get you excited. So for me, that was a game changer, and, and I think that's one of my strengths is that, that when I'm from rugby, I went okay, that's done, I'm over that, and I and I achieved what I did. 
Then I went into business and I went, I'm all in on that. And it's not fun, you know, going into an office and, and I had a huge learning curve, absolutely, even to the basic things where I'd go to a customer and I'd turn up in shorts and a T-shirt when I should be turning up in a suit. And I had one of our major customers actually ring my mum and say, next time Dean comes out, can you just please make sure he wears like some business attire? So you're 28 years old and 19 years old all over again. Correct, mate. And and those things you have to be humble, or no matter what, you got to be humble. But and and I've gone from being a veteran at 28 in a career in in a sport to being a total amateur, and I embraced it. And you've got to. And for me, that really is what I think um, is one of the strengths. And 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 it, mate. You see, you see people go from job to job and they, they get hung up on the old job or relationships or, you know, you go from college and I can't let college go. I've got to, I'm still living that. That is something that I think holds a lot of people back. Or it's not holding back. It just extends. Um, it doesn't allow them to move forward faster. Okay. So you're a kid in high school. You don't really like high school, but you like your business class. Your family's got this business. You're going to the office, checking things out. You have this secondary passion to sports. You weren't nurturing it. You weren't feeding it. You weren't reading business books while you're playing sports, but it was hovering there. So it was kind of a natural shift over to business. It wasn't like you're starting over. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. Mom and dad made it. I enjoyed I enjoyed sitting there, seeing my dad and mom have dinners with our clients. I loved the, the the feeling of going into the facility and and having that team there it, it really it, it's how you look at it as well mate like I learned about stress very early in in sport and, and being able to overcome or change a stressful environment to, to look at it differently yeah so so your secondary passion I, I just want to call out to the listeners right now that are in this situation Maybe they don't have a secondary passion. Probably they don't have a family with a business. And we've talked about this numerous times. You don't get to start up a branch of the family business. You don't get to take over the family business. None of that happens until you earn your way. So Dean's talking about all these values that we're going to get to in a second and these character traits. But, you know, you're sitting and listening to this car at 1.5 speed, maybe you sped it up to two while Dean was talking and you are thinking, wait a second, I don't have a family business. I don't have a backup plan. Okay. What is it that you like? And Dean's not nurturing it. He's focused. He's singularly focused on win the trophy, win the game, serve the team, be the best he can be for his comrades. But he had already had that kind of passion setting his nerves at ease. If you don't have that secondary passion, you're in sports or maybe even you're going in one career and another, you can think about what's the second thing you like and maybe put your mind at ease. And then you're, you're making the point. And, and I don't know how you get the skill set. I have that same skill set. Turn it off, walk away. What lessons did I learn? gone. And that helps when you lose a bunch of money. That helps when, um, you know, something bad happens in your life. How do you figure out how to take your lessons and move on? That's a whole nother episode, but basically you had passion too. you go into business and then we got to draw on these entrepreneurial, I guess, character traits that you have. So you're optimistic and we've heard it throughout. Um, I never believed I can't do something you said. So, and, and it happened from losing on a team and then winning, and it happened from failing in a relationship and then uh, working out in a relationship, but you're generating this optimism. Uh, you also got this 
incredible work ethic that it takes to be a pro athlete, this resilience you said, perseverance I said. So I want to skip those things because we've made those points before on the show, but talk about the team. And you said a bigger good. You're building to a bigger a bigger good than just yourself, which I know I got another text from Sean, by the way. He said just to that, what? Question mark. Uh, but what did you mean uh, by, uh, is today not a fun day for you? Dean Treister, you are you are the funniest person I know. I've seen Dean Treister work his magic on a five-hour plane flight to the point where people were crying and, and lives were changed. Uh, is today not a good day? Because I'm throwing them at you. I'm lobbing them. I mean, that's two Sean Baldwin references. I got nothing from you. Um, so let's get back to the point since that's what you want to do. Uh, team, that came from sports. What can people that maybe weren't in sports, how did that teamwork, that better good apply to coming over here and, and starting up a branch of the business from the ground up out of your garage? I think, weren't you guys living in beautiful New, New Jersey and you were running this stuff out of your garage? Yeah, mate, at the, in the house, this is where it all started. And and a team doesn't have to be a sporting team. Your family's your team. Your, your friend group's your team. Your, 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 your dog is part of your team. So that loyalty it, it's it's um and that loyalty and and for the greater good like you know people you just break it down to something simple it doesn't all have to be this massive big big sort of uh big thing it's you know being part of a professional sporting team that was amazing and the lessons i learned and all that but it's still the same as as your family team or your friendship team and it's it's what you do that isn't just about you. It's about the, that team environment. And um, that's been part of my success, no doubt, mate. And also at the same time. And what time, taught you that? Because you see all these prima donna athletes and, and sometimes they play on a team and they're supposed to win the championship and they actually do worse with them. What is it? What? How do you see that happening and how do you build that around you? Yeah, everyone's got a role in the team, mate. Everyone's got a role. And every team is different. So these prima donna players right they've got their role in the team they better be bloody skillful if they're going to be prima donnas you know so i was not that i was the hard worker i was the one that that um had to work his ass off to actually be in that team and so that's what i brought to the team okay so so maybe and i and i feel bad about being such a prima donna with no skills i'm sure that was a ding at me so maybe sometimes not being the best uh, is actually and part of the team is better than being the best. You don't need to be jealous. You need to start working harder, mate. If you're the best in the team, right? You're not really challenging yourself. So if you walk into a room and you're the smartest guy, then it's not really it's not really your room, is it? And it's the same as sport. Every time, or my experience in sport, every time I went to the next level, next level, next level. The moment you become the best player on that team, you, you're going to move to a new team and you, you're at the bottom again. So, um, yeah, it, it's but it, sports totally different to, to family teams and and business teams, to be honest as well. But each team is going to be its own dynamic. And yeah, it, like like our group, mate, we've got a we've got a, a team when we travel. Yeah, yeah, we don't walk in the room as the smartest guys in the room in our friend group, do we? No, no, that's that's guaranteed. But definitely, mate, um, you you walk <laughs> when you walk into a room, people know you're there, and that's your role. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, we're going to get off of me. Back on to you in a second. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned this one coach. You had this one coach, and he believed in you, and he told you he believed in you. And I'm just going back to your definition of excellence. You keep coming into passion. And you said your best effort for the bar you set for yourself, but you kept pointing people to passion, point to passion, point to passion, and then the bar goes up and up and up, and you reset it. So you have this mentor that kind of set your bar up a little bit higher and helped you find your passion. Have you found mentors like that throughout your career? Was he the first of many? You know, it's it's. Um, I've had so many influences in my life, but that that's a person, and actually an example of of a stress a stressful, confrontational situation that defined and changed a direction in me. Right. So that one in particular, that coach, I was I was about fourteen. And again, I, I really hadn't clicked in rugby or in, in a team sport, in a team sport. And this guy, this coach, and it was just like club. It was nothing major or anything like that. But this coach had taken me from the B team and put me in the A team. And the guy that I took his position was actually the president of the club's son, right? So it was a big deal. And this coach put his ass on the line for me. And so the first weekend training session that he that he pulled for the team, I didn't want to do it. So I just stayed at home and I'd never forget me. I was sitting at home eating ice cream and I said, There's no, there's no way that I'm gonna to go to this training session, stuff that I don't need to. And he got one of my mates to walk across the road, ring me up and said, If you don't come up to the training session, the coach is gonna come down and kick your ass. And this is a guy, a massive big dude, a, a policeman. And I, and an old school copper that actually I did believe was going to kick my ass. So I jumped on my bike, rode up, and he stood me in front of the whole team and absolutely tore shreds off me. He said how he had put his name on the line, brought me in, and this is how he repays me. And really, again, I thought he was going to kick my ass. And so that was a turning point and a very stressful, I almost cried. I actually think I could have cried at the time. And that was a turning point, mate. And so has there been more turning points like that? Yes. And every single time I look at it, mate, and it is a stressful situation, whether it's losing a, an employee or losing a job or something I think is disastrous. So I meet, I meet an asshole of a person like yourself. I can bring good out of that sometimes. And that's defining moments. I've got, I've got many of them. But that's just one that I really stands out as one of the key ones. And meeting assholes like you. I have, a, it's interesting that someone made you cry since all these years later, you've taken that as your role in life to make others cry. And I won't cry, <laughs> I won't cry this time, but you have made me cry before with some of your mean, incessant comments. So you have, you take these lessons. Sometimes for me, getting fired from a job, I got fired from lots of jobs. Or, you know, I went into history class and I was really upset at the at the teacher for basically wasting my time and I hated history, but somehow I became a history major. Or a letter I wrote to my parents where I figured out that I was nearly the asshole that Dean Treister is. And I wonder if other people take note of these lessons. You get made fun of, it hurts your feelings. I'm sure that's that emotional impact that it, it hurts, but you gotta savor it. And I think we said this earlier, we, you and I and a bunch of our friends get hit with the stresses and some people collapse and some people freak out. You talk about perseverance. Some people stop and go, okay, this sucks. Yes, it sucks. Hey, I'm sad. 
Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, it feels this way. What are the lessons I can take from this? Write them down. Write them down. I mean, I had my seven lessons from when I lost all my money. I've got pages of notes on lessons on, you know, all the different people I've seen to be better at being a husband. So you and I pause. I think that's the extra step. Pause and figure out what can you take out of this. And that goes into leadership. And so you carry all these experiences into business. We're going to get into what you do and what Sampling International does. Um, was the uh, uh, Raptor Riley money, and I know it's not really Riley that has the Raptor, but the Raptor Riley, the big cash, all the things and the cars and the Mercedes with the seat extenders and uh, the Bronco without the hard top, because I guess you didn't want to splurge. Is, is that rugby money or is that post rugby money? Um, it, it's all tied together. If I didn't have rugby money, I wouldn't have the. But did you leave rugby with a lot of cash or not really? Um, it set me. I made. I left rugby when I was twenty-seven, and I own a house and two investment properties. Okay, so you're so you're not you're not rolling in cash, but you're set up pretty well, and you've got something to lose, right? You know, you're you're on the line when you go start a business. It could go bad. Um, it didn't go bad. You had your China factory. You went around. You developed all these clients. You went through the the uh, COVID situation where you couldn't get any products to build the samples that you're selling. What is it that you do? Tell us what the job is of someone that expands a family business or expands a business to another continent. And the way you get to this job is you have some crazy life experience and you have some crazy education where you get it at college or through life and definitely through different work and you create opportunities because you do everything that Dean's saying, you figure out how to be more optimistic, you figure out how to keep your eyes open for opportunity, you find mentors and every single person that's been on this show talks about working your ass off and persevering. What is it that you know, you're doing on a daily basis for those people that want to maybe go into international business one day and expand to another place? What do I do daily? Yeah, at, at, right now, daily, um, I'm I'm really looking at the future of, of of our business and our industry as an overall where it's going. Our industry, just so everyone knows, we make samples and we support manufacturers of home improvement products. So if you walk into Home Depot, you'll see you're you're looking for flooring. The sample that you look at is what we make. And so the way consumers are buying, the way consumers are searching, finding products is changing. And so looking at where that industry is going is is one of my daily activities right now and using technology, blah, blah, blah. So every step along the way, it's it's always been uh, up until now, clear vision. I, I, I've got something I'm going after and these are the steps I've got to go to get it. So I'll be honest, recently it's been because these this technology and this where an industry is going now we are the industry leader where is that going we define that and so there's no clear path and that's something that um that's been quite uh, interesting for myself as a leader to to learn i guess up until like i said up until that point um when i was 15 i knew i wanted to play for the sharks then i knew we wanted to win a competition then i knew I'd seen what it what what a big company looked like in in our industry, and I was going to go get it. There was always that, and there was always someone who'd already done the path to get there. Where um, it, it, what really excites me now is that there's no path where I'm going in our industry. There's other people that I can learn from, but no one's ever really looked at our industry, um, and and I I take that on as a responsibility to 
help the industry where it's going to go because that's what people look to me to do every day. All right. So daily, any entrepreneur at any point in their role needs to pause and take time, whether it's day one or day 1001. Look at the trends, plot your course. You called it vision. You mentioned your goal setting from before in the discussion, goal setting, team building, um, assigning roles, execution. You're doing that at a different level. Maybe the team is half you in the beginning, and maybe it's 100 people later on. You're going to still have a few people you're dealing with, and you're going to be negotiating roles, negotiating expectations, negotiating goals, and moving everybody forward like you're moving a ball down the field. You can't, You keep bringing up these mentors in this path. The first thing you did when you came to America was go visit your biggest competitor. So you're looking to learn. You're looking to see what other people are doing. And that's a big part of your role. You didn't mention finance. You didn't mention the accounting reports. You didn't mention the constant hiring. You didn't mention management of the production line. I'm assuming that there's people in the company, that's their role. They're super good at their role. You trust them, but you're getting reports from them and following indicators on that stuff. So you know the whole, you got to spin a bunch of plates. And if you're not looking at the finance plate, you're, you're going to be in big trouble. So you've got some reporting system going back and forth on that, right? Yeah, mate. So again, it's a, it's a team effort and everyone's got their roles in the team and having having a good finance person alongside you. And I'm very fortunate now, um, uh, just recently that uh, we've got our CFO uh, who joined the company, I think three months ago, give or take. And it's been, it's been amazing having that support on that side of the team. And then operationally, we've got facilities all over the, the North American continent. So really having strong operational people and that's their part of the team and they love it and they report it up. Now, my strength is definitely the, the vision and the, um, the business development and really being that leader to where we're going to go and everything coming together. Like they can send me as many reports as they want on finance and it's keeping it simple. It's really keep they dig into the detail of it. I keep it simple. Show me sales, show me uh, expenses, cogs, all of those things at a higher level and maintaining that as a report coming through that, um, but just keeping it simple. That's, that's what I try to do. All right. I'm going to ask you one last question. All through your life, you had to make sacrifices. And at the time they felt, oh God, I don't want to do this. I'd rather go to Mexico. What sacrifice do you remember from your early years that you're so glad you made and you would do it all over again? Yeah, good question. Definitely uh, at different phases of your life. So when I was young, I gave up. I'd see all my friends going out to the pub or going out to nightclubs, drinking during the week and all that. And I sacrificed that. Well, you sure made up for it. Holy shit. Oh, my I know. God. Now, and, and, and sacrificing there gave me the ability to do it way, yeah, way more later. Yeah. Right Clean life, yourself so. up early so you can mess yourself up later, kids. That's, that <laughs> one's for you, Indy. Wow. <laughs> but no, definitely, mate. Each step along the way, you sacrifice. And and is it a sacrifice, you know, given having kids and all that, mate? It's, um, yeah, no. I don't, I don't see it as a sacrifice, but is it different to what people are doing? Yes. Well, uh, Dean, I appreciate you coming on. This has been a great lesson for people in how male adults interact too. It's kind of like watching, you know, some baboon in the in the bush. But heads, but heads. I went out to a 
a women's lunch once I crashed my great friend Lisa and Nicole's women's lunch and everybody's just complimenting each other and talking about how they first met and how much love they love each other. So Dean and I actually don't normally interact like this. We just did this for the show today. Um, Dean, thank you very much for coming on. I did just get a readout from the listeners that are listening live. They say Matt five, Dean zero. I don't know what that means, but thank you for coming on the edge of excellence today. So is that like golf? The lower the score, the better, yeah? No, it's not. Uh, have a great weekend hanging out in your backyard with those wonderful kids. Oh, by the way, I wanted to tell you something. And, and I, just wanna, I just want to say one thing, mate. This this camera view that you've got really does hide. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. I want to say that I was out to lunch with my uh, wonderful, wonderful best friends, Lisa and Nicole, and I got in a little bit of trouble for not reciprocating lunch with Lisa's husband. And I thought, holy moly. I didn't realize that I'm supposed to like reciprocate. And then I realized, oh my God, Dean's invited me over to his house like, you know, four times in the last 15 years I've known you and I've never invited him here. And I just want to let you know, I didn't know you're supposed to reciprocate and your house is way better than mine. So I, I just wait a minute, I'll just interrupt for a second. I have been to your house. You just haven't been there. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, Dean. I will see you soon on the roads in our matching Broncos. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.